0: I want to open today with the words of one of the greatest Christmas carols ever written. We three kings of Orient are, bearing gifts we traverse far, field and fountain, moor and mountain, following yonder star. O star of wonder, star of night, star of royal beauty bright, westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. I love these words. I remember as a child, sitting through countless number of Christmas pageants since my dad was a pastor, and uh time this song came up, it would just grab my attention. Uh, it, it, I loved the, the, the eerie, but uplifting melody of this song. I loved how it just had an, a medieval feel to it. Uh, It it sounded like an epic journey. There was this holy longing as they would sing about uh, the three kings. Um, It was written in 1857 by a pastor for a Christmas pageant in New York City. And what's fascinating about this song is that it was the first great American Christmas carol. Because most Christmas songs are either written in Europe or by Bing Crosby. This one was considered the first great American Christmas Carol. And the song is about those wise men, those mysterious and obscure wise men that we don't know a whole lot about, uh, but their story is so important. And today I wanna to look at the story of the, the three kings or the three wise men that found in Matthew chapter two. And so if you uh, would like to follow along, we'll have the words on the screen. We're gonna start in Matthew two and go from verse one to verse 12. he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem, in Judea, they replied, for it is written, in, for as the prophet has written, like, you should know this. And then he quotes, but you Bethlehem in the land of Judah are by no means least among the rulers of Judah, for out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod and the Magi secretly found out, called he called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And as soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. Feels like music should kick in there and go, The story continues in verse 9. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star that they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over a place where the child was. And when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. And then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. It's a great story often overlooked in the Christmas story. There's three things I want to talk about today uh, with this story. First is the Magi. Second is this mad king named Herod. And then the third is the meaning of the gifts. So the Magi, the mad king, and the meaning of the gifts, they all start with the letter M because I'm a pastor and it's easier to remember it that way. Uh, But let's start with the Magi, these three kings. Uh, There's there's all sorts of speculation about who these people are are. And I'm going to start with what we don't know, what we don't know about the Magi, and hopefully this will help us. First, the thing that we, we don't know about the Magi is we don't know their number. We don't know how many of them there are. Now, we assume there's three wise men, and we assume that because there's three gifts that they give, and because the song, We Three Kings. Um, but but the this, this story, the text never actually tells us how many, how many Magi are here. So we assume there's three. Tradition used to say that there were 12. Uh, but, but, but the way these, these people are traveling and, and for them to come and to get you know, Herod's attention, there were probably many of them in this caravan. There could have been three. There could have been 12. There could have been 30. We're not sure. We know that they give three gifts, but we don't know exactly how many of these magi show up. We assume three. Three. The second thing that we don't know is their names. There's not a whole lot about their identity and what they're called. Tradition gave them names. And so the names that you'll even find in that song of We Three Kings, the names are Belshazzar, Melchion, and Caspar. And he was a friendly Magi. And then the other thing that we don't know is their nationality. So we don't really know their names. Tradition gives them that. We also don't know their nationality, but there's all sorts of assumptions of, of you know, who they are, where they're from. Uh, tradition tells us that they're from the East. Um, there, there was one tradition that told us that one was Ethiopian, one was Indian, one was Greek. It sounds like uh, walking into a bar joke, um, but, but most probably what they were are uh, the Medes. They were, they were um, the Midians that, that uh, at one point they tried to overthrow the Persians, that didn't work out. Um, And and these uh, magi who were uh, rulers of of the the Medes became very influential people from the east. Uh, In fact, one of the traditions tells us that the apostle Thomas, after the resurrection of Jesus, he goes east with the gospel, goes into Persia. And uh, some traditions say that he actually baptized these magi, which doesn't really make sense because I don't think they would have been around or alive by the time Thomas would get there. Um, in fact, one of the things I was reading on these is that there's this 12th century bishop who claims that he found the, the three skulls of the three wise men, and uh, that was in the 12th century. Um, it sounds like you know the plot of some Indiana Jones movie. I don't know. I don't think that really happened. But uh, here's what we do know about these magi. They're men of prominence. They're rulers. They're special advisors to the rulers, uh, magi is where we get the word magic or magician, but it 's not like david copperfield uh, they 're not charlatans these are, are 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 people that would understand the science and astronomy of the day um, they They would have a special insight to what God or the gods are up to, and they would advise the most powerful people in the world. They have these very high positions and and you could tell that just by the gifts that they bring to Jesus in the story is that they have some wealth and power uh, behind them. They were prominent uh, people. And if they're from the East, uh, it's quite possible if they're from Persia, they've actually had some interaction with Hebrew theology in the Old Testament. And so um, if, they, if they are insightful looking at the stars and wondering what God is up to by looking at the stars Throughout the Old Testament, there's these little oracles and prophecies that, that point to uh, the coming of a king and, and the sign would be a star. And you, you see this in, in Numbers chapter 22 when uh, the, the people of Israel are trying to enter them to the promised land and the king of Moab's like freaking out. He calls a magi to his side and says, would you curse those people? And what happens is the magi actually, it says, blesses the people three times over. And then he, he goes off on this, this quote or this oracle or this prophecy in no- Numbers chapter 22, where he predicts and proclaims that the star of Jacob would come and the king would rise from these people. And so these magi probably had some interaction with this. And so when the star rises in the West, they're on their way, assuming and expecting that God is on the move. These magi, what we know about them are they are these prominent, experts in what God is up to, what the gods are up to, but they're living their lives pursuing what they think that this creator is doing, that they can see in the stars, and in their hearts there's this desire to to know what God's up to, to, to see it, to experience it. They're living expectantly. They watch the heavens as a professional job, and the heavens have spoke to them about a significant event happening in the West, and they're on their way to see what that is. You might say uh, that, that this could be something that, that we learn, that although the Magi are from a very different place, and although they're from afar, when the presence of Jesus comes into the world, it stirs their heart their hearts to expectation. You would say that their eager expectation that God was up to something good. These magi have an eager expectation that God is up to something good. When the presence of Jesus comes into the world, it stirs the hearts of these foreigners. In verse two, it says, uh, where there is, uh, they're, they're, they're asking Herod, Where is the one who is to be born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose, and we have come to worship him. There's this eager expectation that God's up to something good with these magi, and they're on this journey to see what it is. Then verse 3, so we thought the magi, now we get to the mad king. Verse 3, it says, When Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. Now, Herod's disturbed, and Jerusalem is disturbed, but for different reasons. When you you look at what this word disturbed means, uh, it means literally literally it shakes in fear, perturbed, upset. Uh, You might say it's having a meltdown. Herod's having a meltdown here. And uh, what we find is that that Herod is, is doing this because he feels threatened. Uh, Herod, I call him the mad king because this guy was, he was just absolutely nuts. He was powerful. He was successful. He was a builder. The Romans liked him because they could use him. Uh, He was a man of great influence, but he was was insanely suspicious of people, especially of people close to him that he thought were vying for his power. And so uh, the history tells us, and this, is not even, this isn't in Scripture, this is even in, in secular sources of what Herod was like, and you know, what we find is that Herod actually killed his wife and his mother-in-law, because he didn't want his wife to outlive him. He couldn't imagine a world where his wife was able to outlive him and inherit all of his power. Then he killed three of his own sons, because he was suspicious, that they were after his throne. So he murdered his own, his own children, his own sons, uh, just to make sure they couldn't take his throne from him. So this guy, I mean, he's insanely suspicious and, and crazy. Uh, Caesar Augustus, maybe the most powerful man in the world, famously says this about Herod. He says it's actually better to be one of Herod's pigs than one of Herod's sons because of how this guy treats those who are close to him, who, who he feels threatened by. In fact, the, the, the history tells us that Herod, when he was about to die, he knew that he was about to die. He goes and he goes to this palace in Jericho where he kind of retired to and was getting ready to die. Knowing that everyone was going to celebrate his death because he was such a tyrant, he has all of these prominent people in Jerusalem uh, arrested under, under false charges. And then he tells his, his soldiers, When I die, I want you to slaughter all of these people. So that in Jerusalem, there's this great mourning and weeping at my death because I want people to mourn when I die and not celebrate. So this is like the the craziness of this mad king. And, And I say all of that because if he's that paranoid about losing his place of power and these magi show up and the question they have is, hey, we heard a new king of the Jews has been born what do you think Herod's reaction is going to be? I mean, paranoia, suspicion, threat. This guy, he absolutely freaks out. It says that he's greatly disturbed, and then we find that Jerusalem's disturbed because they know just how nuts this guy is. And it says that that everyone is disturbed because of this. Then Herod Says, oh, this, this Messiah that's been prophesied about has been born, and they see the star. He calls in all the religious leaders, and he goes, Where do you think this is supposed to happen? Like, this is something Herod should have known as the ruler of this country that should have some understanding context of the Old Testament. He asks these religious rulers, these religious authorities, Where does this happen? And they quote, quote the scripture where they, they talk about Bethlehem, this town of David. And, uh, and, and, the, and so that he tells the Magi and, and the Magi guy, okay, we're going to go. And they, they, they go off to find Jesus. And like what this mad king tells us, a couple of things with these characters. The Magi are seeking out after Jesus. The religious rulers know where the Messiah is supposed to be born, but they're almost like too apathetic or scared of Herod to follow the Magi. And then Herod is trying to, to basically deceive the Magi to say, oh, I, I'm in on this too, I'd love to go worship with you, knowing that he's going to try to murder this child. This is how deceitful and evil and corrupt this guy is. The presence of Jesus for him quells, he wants to quench, he wants to just destroy the work of God. You might say that if, if, if the Magi were expectant and eager, knowing that this presence of Christ has come into the world, Herod was deeply disturbed that God was up to something good. The presence of Jesus has a way of, of coming onto the scene and revealing the hearts of people in this story. And for the magi, they're, li- they're expectant of what God is. He's up to something good. He's going to do something. The religious rulers are apathetic. They're not in tune with what's happening. And then Herod is almost like hostile. He is hostile. He, he wants, he's disturbed by the fact that God is on the move because for him the presence of Christ is going to disrupt his position of privilege and power and wealth. He feels threatened by it. And the mad king goes and does mad king things. The magi and the mad king, the presence of Jesus reveals their hearts. There's this old quote by uh, William Law that says, uh, says this, commentating on this passage. When the first spark Of a desire after God arrives in the soul. Like these magi, cherish it with all thy care. Give all thy heart unto it. Follow it as gladly as the wise men of the East followed the star from heaven that appeared to them. It will do for thee as the star did for them. It will lead thee to the birth of Jesus, not in a stable at Bethlehem of Judea, but to the birth of Jesus in thine own soul. Christmas is about the presence of Jesus showing up, being incarnated into this baby. And for some, it stirs their heart and desire. There's a spark that's inside of them that are seeking Jesus out, expectantly wondering what God is up to. And for others, like Herod, it becomes something that is threatening to him the magi, the mad king. Then verse 9 the story continues. It goes on to say after they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. I would love to see that. Yeah, I just love to, to just to to experience what that would have been like. The star stopping over where the child was. Verse 10 goes on to say when they saw the star, they were overjoyed. And on coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother, Mary, and they bowed down and worshiped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So a couple of things that the Magi, when they finally come into the presence of Jesus, there's three actions that happen. One is they bow down. Uh, then remember, these are prominent uh Wealthy, extremely influential people, and they fall bow down at their face that that signifies there 's this humility in their hearts, and they know that that this this Jesus that they're dealing with is is even uh, uh, they 're respecting him even above their own position. They bow down, it says they worshipped, and then they present Jesus with gifts and these gifts is where we get the idea that there's you know, three magi, because there's three gifts that are presented. And I think what's, what's really interesting is the, what do these gifts represent, the meaning of these gifts. And, and some people would say this is all speculation, and um, it's sentimental, and it probably we're reading too much into it. Um, in, in the song, We Three Kings, they talk about these gifts and their meaning. And, and I, I think that these gifts uh, actually do have are symbolic and, and, and have great meaning. And so whatever you think about these gifts, um, I'm going to tell you what I think they, they symbolize. And uh, the first is gold, the, a gift of gold. Remember, Jesus's family is this like lower middle class, probably lower class peasant family. And they received this gift of gold. It would have been, I mean, this would have been like completely changing uh, their, their family's situation. Like this is the ultimate Christmas bonus, right? This is, you get a, a gift of gold from these wise men, from these magi, and it's, it's, uh, it, it's a precious gift from them. We know gold is a precious metal, it's rare, and it's extremely valuable. It's the kind of gift that was fit for a king. And so you might say that this gold, this gift represents Jesus's kingship. They are acknowledging that Jesus is, King and, and, and for them it was this king of the Jews, uh, but there might have been something more that, that that Jesus wasn't just he was he was the king of all. There's there's a kingship that comes with gold. Also, gold is the easiest to spell of all the gifts, as we'll find out. So, gold the second is frankincense. Frankincense is uh, it, it's a scent, scent that is used in offerings in the temple. Um, the frankincense was oftentimes used by priest during the sacrifices and during worship services. And so what you might say is if gold represents the kingship of Jesus, uh, the frankincense represents the priesthood of Jesus. Uh, the priesthood that, that when you think about what a, a priest is, we get it from the Latin word, which is, is, it means a, a, a bridge builder. Uh, a priest is someone that connects us with the divine, that connects us with God. And what they're saying about the identity of, of this child is, is they give him this priestly gift because Jesus is this connection for us with God. Jesus is this bridge for us to experience God. Uh, and, and, and it also speaks not only of his priesthood, um, but, it, but it speaks of his deity. This is a divine, this is, a, it, Jesus is, is there, there's something connected with him and God. We, we know that understanding the Trinity, that Jesus is God, but the gold represents the kingship The frankincense represents the deity or the priesthood of Jesus. And then finally, the myrrh. The myrrh is this perfume that had many different purposes, but what it was really known for, it was used for embalming the dead. And so this is a gift that they would give to Jesus that he couldn't really use until he died. This was a gift that he would have kept with him. And it, again, was ridiculously valuable and expensive. But one of the things that this gift symbolizes is a humanity of Jesus. They gave him a gift knowing that he was born and would someday die. They maybe don't understand the, the type of death that he would have and, and how he would conquer death. And really, you think about this, this is kind of like a gift that Jesus can't really use because he's only dead for three days, right? So, but the myrrh represents, it represents the humanity of Jesus, that that Jesus was born to die. Jesus came into the world to to give his life, the gold, the frankincense, the myrrh, talk about uh, the the kingship, the deity, the humanity, uh, that Jesus was 100% God and he was 100% human. And he was sent into this world with a purpose to be king, to be sovereign, to be this bridge to God and to die for humanity. That old famous uh, Bible verse John three sixteen that God loved the world so much that he sent Jesus into the world. Jesus comes into the world that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. We experience this in the presence of Jesus and relationship with him. We come to this moment of belief that Jesus has come into the world He's come to die for our sins and to conquer death. I love uh, the, what, what, what these magi do in the presence of Jesus is their response um, is in tune with knowing what God is up to in this world through Jesus. The response is to bow down, to worship, to, to pour out their gifts. Uh, they're, they're, what happens when we come into the presence of Jesus is, is we give our lives to him. There's this surrender that takes place. We have this understanding of who he is this understanding of what he's up to, uh, and, 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 and through that belief, we enter into this eternal life. Kent Hughes commenting on this passage says this, the story of the Magi concludes with a beautiful forthright presentation of the primacy of worship. It will never change. Christmas is a call to worship, to prostrate, to prostrate ourselves before Jesus, to kiss the son, to adore him, to give him our best. Christmas is this reminder of the incarnation. The presence of Jesus has come into the world. It does something to our hearts and it calls us to worship. Romans 12 puts it this way. I urge you, therefore, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies A living and holy sacrifice acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. Christmas is this call for us to come to the feet of Jesus and worship for who he is, our king, our God. We see that in his humanity. He was the sacrifice. Uh, His life, he came to live the life we couldn't live, uh, to take the death that we deserved, This is a gift of love from God. We close with these words from this old American Christmas carol. The three kings say, We three kings of Orient are Bearing gifts we traverse afar Field and fountain, moor and mountain Following yonder star O star of wonder, star of night Star with royal beauty bright Westward leading, still proceeding, guide us to thy perfect light. Merry Christmas.